two, one. Back here on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning, Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole. We want you to please visit our new redesigned blog and make it your home for sports injury prevention and treatment, fitness and nutrition. You can also find podcasts of our show and many useful articles. There's two ways to do it, smwhome.net or sportsmedicineweekly.com. And that proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly. Go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Our producer, Shane Reardon, coordinating producer, is Tracy Toro. Time now for our Ask the Doctor segment. We call it our staple of the show. Very easy for you to get involved. Go to our homepage of our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and on the homepage, look for the picture of Dr. Brian Cole and I. You can click on that link and ask the doctor a question. you got a couple good ones for you, Doc. You ready? I am. All righty. See if you go. can challenge me. Yeah. Easier uh, than uh, what did we do the last week when I had trouble with all these uh, you did great. high medical yeah. medical terms. Well, I think you know. I think our our listenership is catching on, so they're using it to get <laughs> medical advice. So they're getting more and more. T- they're giving MRI reports. They're sending X rays. Yeah, they yeah. are. I know. They're yeah. getting real I, serious. We're going to have to start putting like qualifiers. You know. Yeah, it's not just I skin my knee, doc. Do I need surgery? You these know? are it's not a- the opinions of the station. They <laughs> yes. are the opinions of the hosts. We've been through that before. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right, here we go. I've been told I have a partial rotator cuff tear, Doctor Cole. I'm not ready to have surgery. Should I look into an injection? Yeah, you know, I I think I, I consider myself a master of keeping people out of the operating room. I always say if you want to stay out of surgery, go to a busy orthopedic surgeon, right? How long did I drag you through non-surgical care? Um, two injections. Two injections. And they helped April, initially, and, right? April and December. Yeah, temporary relief. Yeah. They did help. Sometimes they help a long time. So with rotator cuff tears. But I didn't have the rotator yeah, cuff tear. Right. I had the... Yeah, you tenodesis. Have, right, you had biceps problem and a little bit of arthritis. But with the rotator cuff tear, the interesting thing is, you know, here, let me tell you the statistics of rotator cuff tears. Okay. There's at least 6 million people in the United States walking around with rotator cuff tears. Wow. But we only fix about 400,000 of them. So you say, well, what about all the, you know, the 5.6 million people that are walking around with them? The issue is they don't know they have a tear. You know, we are, for lack of a better uh, concept, rotting from the inside out, you know. As we age, our tendons will pull away from things, yeah, and we don't necessarily know it. So rotator cuff tears are one of those uh, uh, disease processes that happen independent of anything you and I do. It just, it could be age-related, it could be genetic, predetermined. Uh, and every decade of life, there's a higher percentage of people that walk around with rotator cuff tears. Are there symptoms? They have Usually not. Really? So most of them are asymptomatic. And then what happens, there's some event. It could be really innocuous, and patients are always looking to figure out what did I do to get symptoms in my shoulder, you know, or what did I do to cause the tear. So most of my interactions with a patient are providing reassurance. Say, look, I can look at your MRI and tell you this tear has been there for a long time, uh, certainly longer than a year and certainly longer than last week when you reached for something and you got shoulder pain. So that's important for a patient to know and explain that the muscles that are intact keep them out of pain and keep them balanced, and then something throws that out of balance and they get painful, right? So that's why a asymptomatic tear, one that has no symptoms, becomes symptomatic because something gets out of balance. Yeah. So cortisone can be particularly effective to reduce the symptoms and the inflammation that causes pain that brings that tear to light in terms of symptoms. And then physical therapy is probably the mainstay. Therapy is super important because it teaches patients how to strengthen their scapula, their shoulder blade. It works on the muscles that are intact that's probably got a little bit of out of balance, if you will, that made that patient become symptomatic. So unless it's an acute or new tear, 
If the patient is coming to me first and they're getting a diagnosis and nothing has been done to date, I will often start with a corticosteroid injection and recommend physical therapy. And the literature shows two-thirds of those patients will get better and remain surgery-free at three to five years. Wow. So it's, that, this is a really important message, how to keep people out of the operating room. What sets them over the top, then? I mean, what sets them over the there, top? There, are, there was not okay, one incident, do you want to know, one event. You mean what makes them symptomatic when yeah. there's no event? I don't know the answer. It could be, you know, it, I don't know the I can't do No, but what leads them to surgery oh, beyond great question. the cortisone? Yeah. Okay, you want, to, you want to hear this? Yeah. So that it wasn't the, the, the research that's been done. This is, these are, this is a multi-center study done at many institutions around the country, uh, like ours, that treat a number of patients with rotator cuff tears. And what they found was that it wasn't the size of the tear, the age of the patient, the gender, the length of time they had the tear, uh, anything that you would normally think about. It was the belief, get this, it was the belief that physical therapy would work. Really? So if you had, this is, and I know it in the office, a patient will say, well, I don't understand. I didn't have any problems before. It's torn, it's broken. How is physical therapy going to heal my rotator cuff? And then I got to sit down, take a deep breath and say, well, they just don't believe it and they don't understand what I'm telling them. It doesn't need to heal to be okay. Yeah. And the other thing that's important is that when we repair these, and this is why we're looking at biologics and stem cells and all these you know, interesting things to try to keep them healed, when we repair rotator cuff, at least a fourth of them at one year will re-tear by MRI. Wow. Because it was bad tissue to begin with, you fix it, and then a year later it re-tears because the tissue is still bad. You can get it to heal back to bone, but you can't always get it to stay there. So if I tell a patient, look, I can fix this, but a year later, it still could be retorn or it may never heal all the way. And what's also interesting, and I'll just tie it up here, is that even if it re-tears at one year, they could have no symptoms, just like those 5.6 million people. Do you follow me? Yep. So people walk around all the time with rotator cuff tears, don't know it. When it's picked up and we don't believe it's a new tear but an old one, there's plenty of room to get people better with an injection and with physical therapy. And the vast majority, as long as they believe physical therapy will work, We'll stay out of the operating room. That takes care of our next two questions and our Ask the Doctor segments. The next question, Dr. Cole, was can I get a cortisone injection before rotator cuff surgery yeah. on my shoulder? Yeah, so there's an answer. There's an interesting article about this that this, this question is probably referring to. So as I mentioned, we do non-surgical treatment. And what if the patient fails non-surgical treatment? How do you time the injection? And is there a risk of a problem if you do surgery if they've had an injection? And it's a very intelligent question. And uh, the answer is that there is one paper with rotator cuff surgery showing that there may be a slightly higher incidence of infection with repair if they've had an injection within three months. Wow. I don't believe it, quite frankly, uh, because I've been doing this for 23 years. I'm not going to jinx myself, but um, we've, I've seen maybe two rotator cuff infections in 23 years, and I've done, I don't know, you know, Hundreds, if not thousands, of rotator cuff repairs. How does the injection? I mean, how does the uh, infection? What? What? We don't know. What it might suppress the. You know, a re, it could be the fact that you've had a needle put in the shoulder. There may be one bacteria there. Okay. That that takes on some initiative after you do surgery. Uh, the the mechanism could be suppression of you know the the body's healing or inflammatory response. But this is, you know, these were patients who were within three months, and it was only a, it was like less than ten. It wasn't in, on, in, a, in a very big series of patients, so it's a little unclear in my mind if this is a real risk. Uh, but patients, you know, know about it. They the patients go to the internet. They know that this article exists, and I get asked about it all the time. And and I tell patients, you know, one of the things that we know what the cure for infection is is an arthroscopy and a washout. So when we do a shoulder surgery, 
we use fluid to run through the shoulder to be able to visualize, and that's the treatment for an infection if you ever get one. So it's a little odd, to be honest, but is it possible? I guess it's possible, but you've got to weigh the risks and benefits. And if someone has a high level of concern or maybe they have diabetes or they smoke, they have other risk factors, we might say let's wait the full three months. Good stuff. I got one more question for you before we say goodbye on this Saturday morning. I fell recently, Dr. Cohen. My doctor has recommended shoulder lat transfer surgery after seeing my MRI. I am unfamiliar with this procedure. Can you explain what it is? You know who put the latissimus on the map? It was uh, Jake Peavy. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember well, that. The White Sox yeah. pitcher? Yeah. Um, I was actually covering that game, and he. I thought he had this condition called pseudo-hypertrophy. Pseudo means fake. Hypertrophy means big. <laughs> yeah. I, like he had one side that was bigger where his lat is, and I had never seen one before. And it was very, it was pretty rare. Like it's a, you see it in the MLB, it's pretty rare. And uh, we ended up, you know, our practice, we ended up fixing it. He ended up getting back to play. And and from that point forward, we've, you know, sort of become very, very facile with the latissimus. In this setting, this is a guy who's asking a question. He's been recommended to have a transfer where you take the insertion of the latissimus off the shoulder, the humerus, and you move it upstream where the rotator cuff would normally be, a little bit higher up, and to the other side of the humerus, and it helps to create external rotation, the ability. So you take a muscle that does one thing, and you put it to another place and make it to another thing, and that's the concept of a tendon transfer. And we do that operation not uncommonly in association with other things to improve function of the shoulder. Wow. Interesting cool stuff. stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, high level. Yeah, our, pay, our, our listeners are getting smarter <laughs> and smarter. We're out of time. We want to thank our producer, Shane Reardon, coordinating producer, Tracy Taro. Also want to thank David Cole. He manages our website and also our business operations. And thank you to Samantha Smith for uh, all her work and uh, dedication to our show. She's with Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. Up next here on The Score, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. You've been listening to Sports Medicine Weekly only on 670 The Score.